Welcome to the Business of Beers podcast. This is the place where we help entrepreneurs expand their business, build their wealth, and generate passive income. I'm your host, Brian Beers, an entrepreneur who's on a mission to inspire growth from everyone around me. Remember that you need to take the action others won't, and you can live the life that others don't. Please be sure to check out my weekly newsletter that now drops every Thursday. It includes one quote, one tweet, one podcast recommendation, plus some business and investing insight from me. It's short and it's sweet. My goal is to provide you with just a couple gold nuggets to help inspire your growth. Go to brianbeers.com to subscribe. Hello, everyone. I'm very excited to bring to you today Chuck Bongiovanni. Chuck has quite the resume founding and running multiple franchise brands. Today, he's the CEO of Majestic Residences, a residential assisted living franchise system. So I'm excited to hear his story and learn more about this business. Uh, Welcome to the show, Chuck. Awesome. Thanks, Brian, for having me. Awesome. To start, I guess, could you give us an idea? How did you get into the assisted living game? Yeah, sure. Well, back when the dinosaurs roamed the earth, now about almost 30 years ago, um, I graduated with a, a social work degree and, and started working for a home health company. And my job was to go visit seniors after they were discharged from the hospital. And many times they were in assisted living. And too many times I saw people that were inappropriate for the place they were in. You know, they, they're in a place um, that served dementia clients or residents, and they had no dementia at all, those kinds of things. And so I thought about, you know, what if I created a business that helped families find assisted living, kind of like a real estate agent for, for assisted living. And that took off, worked for that for about uh, 15, 20 years, then decided to franchise it in 2009, uh, became very successful, over 155 units, 37 states. Uh, that was acquired by private equity in about 2018. My wife is still the brand president now. And so in 2020, I decided to go the other side of the desk and start franchising some senior uh, providers, extra providers of care, which is where we are now. Okay. So before you were kind of in this this brokerage kind of system, you'd help place people into these homes. Now you're on the real estate side, actually helping find homes for these people to live in, to to provide to provide the the brokers in in a sense. Okay. Exactly. Um, Okay. So what is it? uh, I guess, how is it franchisable? Like what's, what is it that you guys do that's special that someone wouldn't, couldn't just do on their own? Like what's, let's start with that. Sure. Well, anyone can do any business on their own. I mean, it's a matter of how much success they want to see how quickly, mm-hmm. uh, which is all part of franchising. But so, you know, what we do is our franchisees purchase or rent a residential home in a just a residential neighborhood. And we help them through the licensing process with their state to become a licensed assisted living facility, but a much smaller one, you know, six to 16 beds. Um, in a regular, again, residential neighborhood, something that people don't see much, but there's 30,000 of them across the nation. So it's, it's pretty prevalent. It's just not that known to people who are looking for care. All right. So I own, for example, I own a, uh, a single family home that's, that's four bedrooms in, you know, the suburbs of, of Philadelphia. So if I said, Hey, instead of renting it to these, these four guys, instead I could go to you guys and say, Hey, I want to rent this. I, I guess I have two options. One, maybe as I, I become a franchisee through your mm-hmm. system and rent it to, you know, older people that need us assisted living care, or I rent it to, I guess maybe you guys, and then you, you, you place the franchisees to take it over. Is that, yeah, is that we, my two yeah. options? 
Yeah, we, we, we have several different paths. One of them, and you've got them exactly down. One of them is, hey, let's take this four-bedroom house. Let's maybe convert two more bedrooms in the garage, or maybe three, depends on the size of it. Um, and that way we can always use the master bedroom for two residents. So maybe a four bedroom home, we can get, uh, eight, uh, maybe 10, depending on the size of the home residents in that home. And they're going to pay anywhere between five and $7,000 each, uh, per month, uh, to get and receive care there. So, you know, you as a real estate investor could just rent the home out to one of our franchisees and get a premium on it. Um, our, our contracts are about five years. So you don't have to worry about renting a home out and having it trashed by these four guys because, uh, it's going to be overseen by a franchise system, you know, by majestic residences to make sure the home stays in, in, in uh, proper appearance and in working order. Okay. And then, and I guess how much of a premium are your franchisees renting these homes versus, you know, the traditional market? Yeah. I've seen some homes that, you know, triple net or like, 1800 1900 and we're paying 5000 5500 for them. So okay. It's a pretty decent deal for the so it could uh, be the, 2 to 3 times market rate uh, could be. plus triple net plus if you're paying the taxes and all utilities I mean right. you know I I pay the taxes I pay the sewer so like you know there's some additional uh, expenses there. Okay. Right. And maybe even you know 5 years into it you want to sell the home, you know have a, a lease or purchase or something like that. Uh and the other the other path is you know you buy the home and then you hire staff, become our franchisee. We walk you through all that and such. And your staff runs the runs the home. Okay. So what so what does that look like running the business? I don't know anything about the assisted living care. So I need I need an employee. And then the, do the employees then are they there every day, like working yeah. in the home? Do they do they spend the night there? Are they 24-7? Like what, is, great what does question. it look like from an yeah, operation? Great standpoint? question. You know, the residents aren't golden, it is like a golden girl model. You know, so you don't have residents in your home that can get in their car, drive to Walmart, go to a movie. These people need care. So you'd hire a, a manager or an administrator. That is your main person who runs the business. They hire caregivers. Um, they oversee the caregivers. It's run 24-7. So you always have to have someone there. Uh, in some states, you have to have someone awake at night. Others, you don't. Uh, but it is, yeah, staff 24-7. Um, sometimes you have... Uh, one staff there in the day, evening, and overnight, depending on your numbers. Sometimes you have two, sometimes you have three on day shift and evening shift and one overnight. So it varies a lot depending on the type of care that's needed. Okay. So you've got this four bedroom that maybe you can convert it into a six bed or, or whatever, right? Depending on sure. the layout. Um, do you have multiple people in, in a room? Is it, I mean, at a certain point, it gets too tight, right? In terms yeah. of, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so most of the master suites go to husband and wife, right? And um, by law, you have to have about 120 feet. Um, the bedrooms have to be at least 120 feet square feet in order to have two residents in there. We don't like to pack them. Um, but, you know, in any decent size house, you're going to be able to have your master bedroom. And then, um, you know, maybe in the uh, garage suites, you can make them a little bigger uh, to have, uh, to have uh, multiple people in a room. But most seniors want to have their own room. Gotcha. Okay, and then so so you got six people or so, and you, if you can generate five thousand, you're able to generate thirty thousand dollars per month. You're, you're saying p- potentially, yeah, uh, through that, and that's that's with six beds, right? With six and, beds. And okay. Most most states um, are like you can license up to ten beds. Some states like uh, Texas is sixteen beds. Some states you could have more than um, more than ten, depending on if you have um, 
uh, fire system in your house. Okay, got it. And then at what? Um, who who pays you? Is it is it is it insurance pay or is it is it direct pay? It's usually direct pay, but we also accept long term care insurance. So something that your parents might have bought twenty years ago, um, and now they can utilize utilize that service. Okay. So how many franchisees do you have today? Right now we have um, eight that are currently open, another 20 that are in uh, negotiation, finding a home, building a home and those kinds of things. And about 80 of them in the pipeline right now too. We actually have a, we have a home in uh, Dominican Republic that's opening soon. Uh, we're converting a, a school to a 22 bed place out there. Okay. And then what, uh, I mean, what's the profile, I guess, of, of somebody who potentially is interested in this? Like, what's the profile that you're looking for in terms of uh, maybe maybe the investor and then also like a, as an operator? Sure. Um, an investor is someone who needs a, you know, who can understand the concept, know that, yes, we're going to make some improvements on the home. Um, we're looking for at least a five-year lease. And for a franchisee, um, business experience is always a plus in any franchise system. Um, medical, uh, experience isn't, you know, isn't a must, uh, it's a plus, but it isn't a must and having the ability to supervise people. Cause like I said, that manager is your most important employee. If you hire the right manager or administrator, the business will run itself through him or her. Yep. You said you make improvements. So you guys will pay for all the renovations to, if you want to convert a, a Usually, garage or yeah, do whatever. That, that, yeah, that's that's between the investor and the franchisee, but there's there's multiple ways you can take a look at that. It mainly is the uh, converting a garage or maybe converting a living room into another bedroom or something like that. Okay. Nothing that can't be reversed uh, after the lease is over. And then, how many employees for per like what's uh, of your guys? Do they have multiple staff that cover multiple homes? Like, is this thing scalable in a in a sense? If, oh, yeah. if an investor were to say, "Hey, I'm going to go into a neighborhood, I'm going to buy whatever five homes," are they are they able to scale their staff to to absolutely cover? absolutely actually you know um, three is a sweet spot too owning three of these because that manager that you hire can oversee those three homes. So now his or her salary is distributed. Uh, among three homes in, instead of one. And then with your staff, of course, like you just mentioned, if if you have a call-in somewhere or someone gets sick, you can bring in staff over from another home that may not be working that shift, um, but having the ability to utilize a pool of, of caregivers uh, for those homes. And then you need, what, four employees roughly per per home, four or five? Usually, you think about seven by the time you know, you're working weekends in there and such to 24-hour coverage. Yeah. Is it is it hard to find that staff right now with, with COVID you know, and all the demand and rising wages and all this stuff? That's a great question. I have a unique theory on that. And I, I you know, the old saying that people leave people, not careers. You know, um, I hear homeowners say, well, you know, Amazon's hiring for $19 an hour. Well, a caregiver will not work at Amazon. They're not going to work at Burger King. They're, it's not that it's not that kind of people. Those caregivers are very special people. You know, they want to care for for others. You know, they don't want to work at a factory somewhere, even if it pays three dollars more an hour. It's just they're just different kind of people. And any kind of uh, staff that I see uh, that are are quitting or, or moving on it really has to do, I think, with that owner and how they're treating them. Okay. What what is can you speak to like what does the average care maker make in America, whatever it is? I'm sure. Again, depending on the state and city and such, anywhere between fourteen and and eighteen dollars an hour. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, for someone who's into real estate and you know likes the idea of potentially getting into assisted living, I mean, it sounds like an interesting opportunity. I know I've got a number of friends in that assisted living space, and they're looking at, I think, more of the so the other models, right? The home healthcare, right? Where you you are staffing people, and then like, they're going to people's homes, right? Right. And, that could be labor intensive because then yep. you need one caregiver for every client. Where with mm. us, you know, you don't. But on the on the real estate end, you know. Hey, if I was a real estate investor and and I knew that I was going to go out and buy five five single family homes this year and rent them out to a family that you know I may not know whether they're going to pay every month or trash the place, this is a much more secure investment for them since it is longer term. And not only do you have our franchisee in the home, but you have us overseeing the home itself, so making sure that it stays up in in, in great appearance and uh, and is presentable. Okay. And what's the minimum? Is it is it six bedrooms to make sense? Um, you know, a four bedroom home, like the one you, you, you talked about in, in Philadelphia area, a four bedroom home, we can get extra bedrooms in there and without mm-hmm. looking cramped at all. So, you know, a four, five bedroom home, um, is, is, is probably the, the best shot, you know, try to stay away from, um, two stories, you know, ranch style is usually the yeah, best. That's what I was going to ask. What about like two stories and in, in here, there, we don't have a ton of ranch style homes around here. Uh, most of them right. are split levels or, you know, two stories. But I would imagine that's a that's tough if two of the three bedrooms or whatever are upstairs. That probably makes it a little bit more difficult. Yeah. yeah, I mean you can have two bedrooms and such, but you know, you're either gonna need a, a lift chair or you're gonna need an elevator in most states uh, in order to make that happen. Mm. Okay. Cool. So for you guys, what's like um, you know, what what are some of your biggest hurdles trying to grow this franchise? Like what what are your top goals and, and what are your challenges? Yeah, our biggest challenge right now, again, is um housing prices. You know, that's why okay. we're really looking more towards um, the, you know, leasing uh, model for our franchisees because it's difficult for them to come up with the purchase of a home and then start up capital on top of that right now. Um, so we're, that's why we're looking a lot more for working with investors who want to lease homes out to our franchisees. Um, other than that, you know, we've got a you know, a lot of response for, for just starting. I mean, you have franchising experience. You understand that a brand new franchisee, it usually takes forever to get the first two franchisees and such, but um, having the franchisees uh, in the pipeline hasn't been the issue. It's, it's been more the housing issue itself for us. Mm. It's, it's finding that the houses that they can look at. Okay. Yeah. Certain, are there certain areas you're currently operating in or have a strong presence? Oh, a strong presence in uh, Arizona right now and in Texas. Um, starting a, smart, a stronger presence in California. I'd love to see more in Florida. Um, there are a decent amount of homes out there, but they're not always the best um, the best care um, from what we hear from people on the ground. Okay. So, you know, George has another one also. Um, you know, usually the farther east, northeast you go, the more difficult it is to be able to get licensed um, to do mm. this kind of business. Okay. So if you if you live in New York or something, it's probably impossible. I would imagine not, not impossible. Just just much more difficult. It's going to take you a little longer to get licensed, but uh, not impossible. Okay, and I guess in terms of population and demand, the, probably the South is just more right in in Florida and Texas and Arizona. You know, and all that. Yeah, we're, we're also seeing now a trend of moving mom and dad where you live. So you may not mm-hmm. be in a very uh, um, an area that has a lot of elderly people, but we're seeing a lot of people, you know, kids moving mom uh, to areas near them instead. Okay. Okay. And what do you guys charge? What's like the royalty fees? What's the startup cost? Yeah, our franchise fee, I mean, a franchise fee is $49,500. that will get them 
license, trained, operations, marketing, all that kind of stuff. Then we have a 6% monthly royalty uh, from, the, from the gross. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah. So what, um, I mean, going through your career in franchising, what was like one of, what's one of the biggest failures that you had in, in terms of running a business? What did you um, learn from it? You know, in the very beginning, um, it probably was not vetting franchisees uh, to the best of the ability. You know, the the old joke in franchising is uh, you start off saying, I want to find the perfect person, has to have this quality, this quality. And then your first couple of franchisees, it goes down to, do they have a check to write? You know, um, and that was a big mistake. And then we're not doing that here in, in Majestic. And didn't do it much in my last franchise system either. But most brand new franchisors, uh, really want to start their system so bad that they start off by getting the wrong people involved. Yeah. So, so what do you do then to go about vetting them? Yeah, good question. You know, we have a wow. Our our vetting process is about a six week process uh, where they're filling out applications for us. We're discussing them. They're going out and seeing homes in their area to get an idea what they what they look like and how much they charge. We have a business building. Um, tests that we give them to take a look at what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. Um, a lot of it is just a lot of communication between us and them and, and expectations, make sure they have the right expectations. Okay. And is it, they have to be like a full uh, owner operator or is it, you know, can they, they, like you said, hire the manager, put them in place. I mean, I know there's like, there's two different models generally in the franchise. Yeah. World. Yeah. We, you know, we, we don't want our, our franchisees actually in the home, doing the care. You know, we want them out running the business so they can go and purchase another home and another home and another home after that. So again, it's finding that right manager to be able to run the home for them. Okay. And um, for, for you in terms of like, I don't know, lifestyle by design, is there anything you, you do to kind of like leverage your time in order to kind of, I don't know, live the life that you want to live? Um. You know, I have a real big koi pond in my backyard. So I start every morning with a cup of coffee and just, you know, somewhat meditating, just taking on the day of what I'm going to do for the day and such. Um, but besides that, you know, I'm a workaholic, so I kind of enjoy it. You know, it's, it's people, people say that the best job is, you know, not really having a job and doing something that you love. And that's what I do. You know, it's just, I just really enjoy what I'm doing. Yeah. Okay. What about your, what does your team look like in terms of at the, at the franchise side? I have um, one of my um, my uh, main people uh, has been with me for about eleven years. She came with me. Um, my last franchise system acquired another system, and she was part of that system. So when I started uh, Majestic, I brought her over. Um, and then my director of operations, kind of funny, I met him when he was seventeen years old, like twenty something years ago. He was a caregiver in his mother's homes, and now he owns those homes. So we've come full circle. Uh, uh, with that also. Okay. That's awesome. And where, where it's like, what's the goal, I guess, for 2022? Like how big do you want to grow this thing? What's, what's, what's five years look like? Can you paint kind of get sure. paint the vision? Sure. You know, we're looking, we, we want to be um, about 50 by the end of this year, whether operating or in, in that mode of a, a process um, and then uh, increase that by uh, 50 next year in 2023. And then the natural progression of 75 after that. So we want to get up to about 300 homes. Uh, we think that would be a, a nice uh, number for branding across the nation. Okay. Because a lot of a lot of things, Brian, is that you know everyone, when they drive by one of these big facilities, they know it because they drive by it every day. Since these homes are in neighborhoods, 
branding is difficult for them. Like I said, there's 30,000 of these out in the country that people don't have never even heard of them. I, I actually placed a person literally next door to where they lived and they didn't know it was a care home. So our, our big push is that branding behind it. Um, so we have the branding power of some of the bigger places, but with the smaller residential care homes. Do you, do you put signs outside the house? Most uh, most towns, you're not allowed to. Okay. Uh, but we do a pretty big internet push uh, and community outreach. Okay. And how did the neighbors feel about this? Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, first of all, the um, uh, homeowners associations have never been able to stop a residential care home from opening because of a little law, Fair Housing Act. It's kind of a big law. Um, so they can't stop this home from opening. And what I've found in my years is that the neighbor who complains the most is usually the one who puts mom or dad in first. Okay. It's weird, but it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause I know in like, you know, through my, some of the neighborhoods around me, they try to put a, um, like a halfway house and it was a home that was going to be divvied up and like whatever, 15 people, people in there. And, you know, of course there was tons of pushback and it was this huge deal. And yeah. ultimately, they um, they denied the zoning of it, uh, and then so it didn't happen. But it, it it caused like a pretty big uproar. Now, obviously, a, a halfway house is going to be a different uh, type of person coming and going on a regular basis in a neighborhood with like all these kids and stuff than exactly an assisted living. But I mean, to a degree, it's it's just similar in terms of maybe the the volume of activity, right? Well, you know, like I said, the seniors, they don't have cars. They're not driving in and out of the home themselves every day. So, you know, the typical home may have a um, couple of visits from medical people per day, and then maybe some families uh, in the evening time. Uh, but it's not like a parking lot in front of the home. You wouldn't, like I said, you wouldn't even know if there was one next to you. Um, chances are, if you live in a bigger city, there's one within half mile of you, and you, you may not even know it. There'll be one in your neighborhood you wouldn't know. Hmm. How would you find one if you wanted to? Um, states usually have directories on their websites about where the homes are. Okay. Interesting. Good stuff. So, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, definitely, I mean, something worth looking into. I mean, you talk about like, you know, I don't know, recession proof and, you know, the, the ways that things are going and, yeah. um, you don't, you don't really see a dip there, right. In terms of. No, not at all. I mean, even during, even during COVID, the small residential homes did very, very well. The bigger places, the bigger nursing homes had problems just because there were more people there. But when you're dealing with a home with six or 10 people, and it's pretty easy to uh, coordinate and control who comes in, who comes out, um, and, the, and all, you know, everything, the protocol that goes with that. Uh, but you know, there hasn't been any kind of issue uh, hmm. with, with um, recession, recession-proof business, definitely is. Awesome. Great. Any books you've been reading lately in terms of business or, or financing and franchise? Anything you could recommend to people? Oh, wow. Um, I, re- I don't know the name of it. It's something about water near bamboo or something like that. It's a, <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good book about making sure you do the things that you're supposed to do every day and don't forget about it. Because if you, you, know, if you fail to water the bamboo, I guess it doesn't grow. And I have tons of bamboo in my backyard, so it kind of caught attention to me. Yeah. So it's like a, accountability. Is what accountability. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. How about you? What are you reading? Uh, a couple things. Um, what am I reading? Who, who Not How. I've, I've read that one recently. Uh, mm-hmm. that, was, that was a great book about, you know, instead of making a, a to do list, you make a to who list and it's all about oh, leverage, cool. right? Yeah. And, and who can help you. Um, that was a great one. I've been reading um, what else? Pitch Anything by Oren Claff. Mm. That's really read good. That. Um, been reading uh, now a hundred, it's called a hundred million dollar offers 
by Alex Hormozzi. And it's um it's all about like pitching because it's similar to pitch anything where it's talking about pitching an offer and you know how you can you, you really need to build value, right? Because people right. pay for value, you get paid in direct correlation to the value you create. And that um, you know, you, you, there's this there's this outlines this way to to um, you know, you can get a premium for the services you charge if you're able to deliver a, a ton of value of whatever it's convenience or you know, solving a specific problem. So yeah. And then you know, mention that something in my in my homes, um, we're we're top of the line in, in technology. We have some technology in our homes that no one in the nation has. Uh, for example, we have this one um, technology that uses radio waves to determine whether an adult brief is wet or wet or soiled, and then it alerts the caregiver immediately in real time. Hmm. Uh, so it's pretty interesting like stuff. They, All, like they wear it, or how does it? No, it's it's kind of strange. It's like an RFD chip. Think of okay. it like a band, like a band-aid. Okay. And they put it on the outside of the brief so it never touches people or touches anything. And it sends a signal to uh, an antenna. And then if anything disrupts that signal, there you go. The alarms go off and such. That's pretty crazy stuff. And we also use um, what we call scent technology. I've never heard of that. But a lot of these hotels, upper end hotels, when you walk in, they all smell the same. And it isn't just a scent. It's actually used with uh, parts of your brain. 75% of our emotions are linked to scent. Okay. So we, we sat down with some chemists and they said, hey, how do you want your residents to feel? How do you want people who visit feel? We just said, we want them to feel safe and secure and comfortable. So they came up with this scent uh, based on all these oils. I think it's- okay. It gets thrown in our homes. Uh, yeah, we're pretty high tech. It's it's pretty cool stuff. When families see that, they see like we were talking about. They see the value, and that's why our homes get between you know five hundred and fifteen hundred dollars per month per resident more than a home down the street because we have those uh, okay those value added services. And how does that compare to someone wanted to go to one of the big facilities? What do they charge? You know the difference between the big facility and, and us. You know if you're very very active, if mom is very active, she wants to play cards, she wants to go, you know, go out to 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 Walmart every once a week with a group of people. That's great. But our residents tend to need a lot more care. They're not going to be able to comfortably walk. 500 feet to the dining room. So they're using walkers or wheelchairs. Um, a lot of them have some kind of uh, earlier or later uh, memory issues. They they most likely wouldn't um, thrive the best in a big a big facility that's more socially run than medically run. Got it. Okay. And do they cost then a little bit less? Are you guys are a little bit more because it, it's more hands-on? Yeah, uh, it, it it depends. I mean, that really is based by city uh, okay. and, and economics. Yeah. Okay. Um, awesome. Cool. Well, where can people connect if they're interested in either you know converting their house, becoming a franchisee, or renting it out to you guys? Like, what's the best yeah. way? Best way is go to our website, our franchisee website, which is www.discovermajesticresidences.com. Uh, there's some forms to fill out there for initial interest. Then you will start sending in some information and set up some talks with me and the rest of the staff. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on and, and sharing all your knowledge. Definitely an interesting, you know, kind of new business model here. And I, I think uh, for you know someone who it fits, I mean, this could be, could, be a, could be a great opportunity. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, your audience. Thank you. Cool. Thanks, Jeff. That's all we got for this episode with the Business with Beers podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is to rate the show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen. 
Also make sure to link up with me on your preferred social media platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find all my links at brianbeers.com. Please just share the podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember to take the actions others won't to live the life that others don't. 